We live in a world of uncertainty. Currently, a hurricane is ravaging the South, the Pineapple Express is up and running yet again, and most surprisingly of all, Kanye finally dropped Donda. But one thing you can count on is Thigman and continuously delivering you mediocre takes once or twice a month. And here this week, we are going to talk about the greatness of Jameis Winston, the Gardner Minshew Philadelphia Eagles situation, and several other topics. But starting things off in New Orleans, Jameis Winston has been named the starting quarterback for the Saints. And this is a great moment for football. This injects some competitive spirit into the NFC South because besides the Buccaneers, that division was looking real weak. And now with James at the reins, watch out because they could be a threat. They could stop the Bucs from going undefeated. But James Winston in his previous season as a starting quarterback, over 5,000 yards, 33 passing touchdowns, 30 interception, but still, he had a good season in a lot of ways. He struggled with turnovers, but the combination of getting Lasix eye surgery, having a, honestly a better offensive line in New Orleans, maybe better weapons by the time Michael Thomas gets back, and a coach who has faced in him will give him a much better opportunity to succeed. Jameis Winston will look like an elite quarterback. He may put up similar numbers to what he did with 5,000 passing touchdowns, over 5,000 passing yards, 33 passing touchdowns, but he will cut down the interceptions greatly, maybe only 10 to 15, which is still a lot, but when you're slinging that much, picks are bound to happen. He will be a great quarterback in the NFL and show people why he was number one overall pick. I am excited for Jameis Winston. I am excited for the Saints. It is going to be a great time in New Orleans, and I will tune into many games to watch famous Jameis Cook. There's a reason Jameis Winston was the first overall pick in his respective draft class. He clearly is very talented. In his last full season as a starter, you do not throw 33 touchdowns by accident. That takes some level of skill and some level of talent. Mediocre quarterbacks do not reach that number. Unfortunately, maybe it was due to overconfidence. Maybe it was a fact he couldn't see the defenders. He threw the other ball to the other team a lot. And something I think that is kind of a factor in maybe his progression is that he was the day one starter in Tampa and maybe he just wasn't as ready as many of us, many of the experts, many of the fans would have liked to believe due to how much he produced in college. And I am willing to get behind the thought process that sitting behind Drew Brees for a season is going to help bring his game to the next level and also learning from Sean Payton. I haven't really seen a lot of people talk about this that I am almost positive this move from Jameis Winston to the starter instead of Taysom Hill has something to do with the Saints personnel and what they have with on their roster. They are going to need Taysom Hill on the field as a tight end or wherever wherever they want in the formation. They don't have that many offensive weapons. I mean, they have Marquez Callaway and Michael Thomas is not going to be ready to start the year and Adam Troutman is their tight end. And of course they have Alvin Kamara, but it is going to help their offense with Taysom Hill on the field at a different position than if he was at quarterback. Uh, For example, Jameis Winston isn't going to be throwing blocks on 280 pound defensive ends for Taysom Hill and he's not going to be running past DBs getting open for Taysom Hill if he's a quarterback. I think this, while it's definitely a case of playing the better player, playing the better quarterback, I also think what the Saints have on the roster and their different personnel has been a factor in this decision. Well, look, at the end of the day, Taysom Hill is a very poor man's Lamar Jackson, more comparable really to a Tim Tebow who isn't clutch. He's not an NFL quarterback. I can name you 30 to 50 guys who are clearly head and shoulders above him. And Jameis Daniel has Daniel Jones potential. better than him? Uh, that's probably not one of the 30 or one of the 50. But Jameis Winston has the potential to be a top 10 level guy. If he can put up similar numbers to what he did in Tampa Bay's final season and cut down the interceptions, if he cuts them in half and still throws an absurd 15, which might lead the league, 
he would still be an elite quarterback. And look, you can talk about personnel all you want, but at the same time, Taysom Hill, at the end of the day, you put the player you think gives you the best chance of winning at quarterback. So I think Sean Payne has a lot more confidence, or at least some confidence, in Jameis Winston over Taysom Hill. He's clearly an actual quarterback. Taysom Hill, not so much. People call Lamar a running back. Taysom Hill actually is a running back. But it's it's not it's not a typical situation is also what I'm getting at. Jameis Winston gives you the best chance to win because Taysom Hill is also going to be somewhere else on the field when Jameis Winston's playing quarterback. It's not like Carson Wentz versus a Jalen Hurts discussion last year. If you season. could clone Taysom Hill and have two Taysom Hills out there, I would still rather have Jameis Winston playing quarterback than Taysom Hill throwing to Taysom no, Hill. No, and I, I also said that, but I think it made it even easier decision for Sean Payton because of the fact that Taysom Hill is going to be on the field helping the offense in a different way is also what I'm getting Because even sometimes, you know, coaches make stupid decisions and they give the quarterback the, the start when they really shouldn't. I mean, Deshaun Watson's rookie year. Didn't Tom Savage or someone get the start before he did? And then midway through the game, they switched to Deshaun, I think. Is, like, is, sometimes they do that because they feel for the player. I think James Winston will find a lot of success in New Orleans. I think he'll be a top 10 level guy, maybe even a top five level guy and may lead the Saints back to the playoffs and may, in fact, win an MVP. Not an MVP, an MVP. Not valuable player? Nickelodeon valuable player, dumbass. Oh, <laughs> I forgot that game was even a thing. Well, we've been discussing Gardner Minshew over on the TikTok, or more specifically, I've been discussing Gardner Minshew on the TikTok, and I do feel a little bad for him. The Eagles front office stupidity never ceases to amaze me. I constantly get a vibe of general incompetence from Howie Roseman and Nick Seriani. It is the same feeling and vibe I got as a Giants fan when Ben McAdoo and crew were heading the Giants front office and also coaching staff. It is almost like they are continuously seeking out quarterback consciously and continuously seeking out team dysfunction. And to the Eagles fans on TikTok and to the Eagles fans in general who seem to think he was acquired because they don't have a backup and they need a backup quarterback. Let me let you in on a little secret. Half the league doesn't have a good backup quarterback. You really shouldn't be worried about who your backup quarterback is, let alone think about trading for one. If you truly believe in Jalen Hurts as a competent starter, and to my knowledge, Jalen Hurts has never missed a start in the NFL or a start in college due to injury. There is no injury history here. They are not getting a backup because they think Jalen Hurts is going to get injured. The only reason I think the Eagles traded for Minshew is because they have some weird infatuation with not trusting their starting quarterbacks, but it is also because they just don't trust Jalen Hurts in general. When they had Carson Wentz, they drafted Jalen Hurts. Then they signed Joe Flacco in the offseason after they get rid of Carson Wentz, and they say there's going to be a quarterback battle between Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. I feel bad for Minshew because he goes to another dumpster fire of an organization, and he's not going to succeed there. Jalen Hurts is not going to succeed there, and I feel bad for Jalen Hurts just because an organization is not showing him any trust. They're not even giving him a chance to be a productive quarterback. I think the Eagles need to get rid of Howie Roseman if they're ever going to be successful. It's much like the Giants after they won their second Super Bowl or fourth Super Bowl, however you want to look at it. In 2012, Jerry Reese destroyed the Giants roster over the next six seasons. They're still recovering from that. The, The Eagles just suck. Love how you worked the Giants in there. Funny how that always works out. But Gardner Minshew is really a victim in the situation. Obviously, multi-millionaire, very talented individual, handsome, dashing rogue and the like. But still, he has been part of the two teams which blatantly tanked last year. The Jaguars held him back, didn't let him start several games, even when he was clearly ready to come back from injury because they wanted to lose. And the Eagles had the most infamous bit of tanking, which got their Super Bowl winning head coach, Doug Peterson, fired. But Gardner Minshew is capable of succeeding on the individual level. You look at the numbers, they're there, you look 
look at the ability to escape the pocket, the ability to make throws in the tight windows. It's all there. Fumbles a little bit too much, but I'd say it's worth it in his case as opposed to some other players where you take that risk, assume he can improve it, particularly if he's not behind a dog shit O-line. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a competition between Hurts and Minshew. It's not going to be Joe Flacco involved. And the reason this is, is because Jalen Hurts played pretty bad last season. had I believe a sub 55, close to a 52% completion percentage was honestly more of a threat in the ground than he was in the air and really couldn't get it done. Like people make fun of the Eagles for benching him saying they're clearly tanking, but he was playing terribly that game in terms of passing the final game of the season. But Gardner Minshew will eventually earn the starting spot because I truly believe he is better than Jalen Hurts. He's the second best player taken as position in that draft by Kyler Murray. Probably won't be able to lead the Eagles to many wins because they're routinely hurt as an organization. I don't know if it's the training, the medical personnel of passing or what, but they always seem to have 10 injuries every year to keep personnel. I wish him the best. He's going to make some money, but he's going to be on a terrible team which is going to win four games. I think the only time he'll ever get the start, uh, I assume they're going to lose this many games, is when the Eagles are starting 0-6 or they're starting 2-5 or some terrible record which they'll inevitably start with and then they're going to get cold feet again and, and look to their backup quarterback and that's when we're going to see Minshew come in. Like, I, like you said and like I've said, I don't think he's going to succeed because I don't believe in the Eagles organization at all to win any game. And I feel another player I feel bad for is Devonta Smith because he goes from the best run organization in college football or arguably one of the best run next to probably Clemson and Ohio State, probably the best run. And now he's in one of the worst professional run organizations in the NFL currently because of the stooge that is Howie Roseman. I I just feel bad for any player on that roster. Well, you say two and five, that might be enough. They probably won't be last in the division. They might even be first in the division with a record of two and five. Welcome to the NFC <laughs> East. But Garner Minshew will succeed yet again individually. Might be able to drag some team success along with it this time because Eagles are a better roster than the Jaguars were. I am optimistic because go Gardner, go Minshew Mania coming to Philadelphia. But we'll just have to wait and see. The NFL Top 100 has just wrapped up. This is a list where the NFL players rate who they think is the best in the league. And look, there is a lot of discourse, some poor picks in the players and fans' opinions. People were upset and I'm a little bit upset. There are some things I I disagree with Josh now at 10 seems a little bit low and the general lack of love for offensive linemen I'm never a huge fan of but people have to understand the players are the ones voting on this not the advanced analysts those in the media those who really are super familiar like the players are playing every Sunday they don't watch every single game like you people they don't vote for people in their division because they really don't like those people they don't want those people being respected there is so much that goes into this in terms of watching the politics of it, that if you are losing your mind, if you are upset about this, if you are genuinely hurt as a fan, if your favorite player did not get the rating you thought he deserved, you are kind of a loser. (laughs) I don't know any other way to say it, but ascribing value to this list in and of itself is foolish. There are some great things about it, there are some stupid things about it, but at the end of the day, it's just a fun little list made by players and people are freaking out about it. So... I don't really understand the backlash. I love the fact they do it every year because it lets me know what the players are thinking. But Tristan, you had some thoughts about the list, so why don't you go ahead? Well, you know, while I do agree with everything you said, I do. I also am in. I also think that it's fun to talk about just some of the dumbest things about this list. And what I think is the dumbest thing about this list is how they rank the wide receivers. You know, the top four isn't that bad. A lot of fans would agree with this. A lot of players agree with this. Devonta Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon well, a lot Diggs, of players. Tyree would agree with it because they voted on it. Well, obviously, but a lot of people in general, fans, pundits, whatever you want to say, they're generally going to agree with that top four in some 
order. Then at number five, we have DK Metcalf, and he is not the fifth best wide receiver in the NFL. I don't know how players even came to this conclusion. There's an argument to be made. He's the second best wide receiver on his own team. Justin Jefferson is also ranked as a top 10 wide receiver on this list. And I think this also shows with Justin Jefferson being ranked so highly and DK Metcalf being ranked so highly is that maybe some of the media and players being so hyped up in the media has some type of influence on this list because DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson were massive names and massive storylines last year. And when it comes to Justin Jefferson being ranked that high, I just don't understand it because he had Adam Thielen on his team, a very good receiver. He had Dalvin Cook in his backfield, a top one or one to three running back, depending on how you rank the plethora of good running backs. And another thing that I think was kind of embarrassing when it comes to wide receiver rankings is the fact Michael Thomas is still on the list because this list is made from year to year. Dude didn't even really even play last year when he was on the field. He was not extremely productive, wasn't really productive at all. And heading into this season, he's going to miss the beginning of the season. So I don't understand quite why he made the list. It doesn't make that much sense to me. And when it comes to the whole thing about the list not mattering, it is something I agree with. I don't get why people get so upset about it. When players vote on the top 100, like Isaiah said, they're simply not going to be objective. They're going to vote for players who play on their own team. They're going to vote for players who they work out with. They're going to vote for players who they respect and may have a good relationship with. From my experience, from talking with a couple former NFL players, I work at Prolific Park. I work with Ricky Prohl, who was a Panthers wide receiver coach at one point, and he still coaches a couple NFL guys. Some of the players that he's interacted with, some of the players that he's coached, he speaks so highly of that when you're listening to him, you feel like he's talking about Julio Jones, and he's not talking about Julio Jones. Players are inherently biased, just like fans, and I think fans need to realize that just because they play the game does not make them objective, and there's bias all over the list. That being said, I care a lot more about players' opinions than I do any fans, but Tristan, two quick questions for you, oh pundit one. Who holds the NFL record for the most receiving yards by a rookie wide receiver? Justin And how many games did Julio Jones play? I don't know. He played nine games. Should he have been on the list? Yes, just because he's Julio Jones. And Michael Thomas is just on the list because he's Michael Thomas. You chose a weird angle to come at the list for a day. You could have gone what I did and talked about the O-line disrespect, even though they've got at least one top 10 player running around there. But, you know, you chose to target two decent picks. There's also the fact that I feel like a little bit, like Aaron Donald is routinely high on this list, not solely because he's the best player in football, which he is, but because if you get caught on record disrespecting Aaron Donald and he finds out about it, he's probably going to rip your quarterback's head off the next season. So probably a little bit of fear which goes into this. That's why Julio and Mike are listed. Teams do not want to give those guys bulletin board material. But moving into our final topic, Tristan, how would you tell us the misfortune that has befallen the Ravens organization? J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins getting injured, I think, is a it's obviously a massive blow for the Ravens and I think it is going to hurt their ability to really make a Super Bowl push and deep playoff push because it once again takes some depth away from them. I have faith in Gus Edwards to be productive. I think he can be a number one back. It's not going to be as good as Dobbins getting all the carries with Gus as the second option, but this is still going to be productive, and the rushing attack is still going to be incredibly dynamic because of what Lamar brings to the field. This just hurts their depth once again. I mean, a similar type of thing happened last season, except at the tight end position. They did this themselves. They did trade away Hayden Hurst, taking away some tight end depth, and then Nick Boyle's knee was bent in the opposite direction, leaving Mark Andrews as the only viable tight end on the roster, and they were not able to give other teams personnel nightmares. They weren't able to trot three 
tight ends on the field. They weren't even able to trot two tight ends out on the field when Nick Boyle went down. So I think this is going to hurt their depth. It's going to hurt their ability to run the ball play after play after play after play after play. Will they still probably have one of the best running games in the NFL? Yes, because of Lamar Jackson. But I think this definitely hurts their ability to make a deep Super Bowl run. You gotta ask yourself at a certain point, why do the Ravens keep trotting out their best players in preseason? Because, little known fact, the Baltimore Ravens are 20-0, and 0, I believe, in their last 20 preseason games. Which, hey, that's an impressive accomplishment. It means absolutely nothing, but there's something to be said for that. But why are guys like Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, multiple offensive line, multiple stars in our demons, why are they even playing? This team has struggled with health in the past, and really their best players rely so heavily on their athleticism that why would you risk them getting hurt in preseason? Football is a violent sport, and yet you trot out your best players, your stars, guys you are counting on to take you to the Super Bowl, to the promised land, elevate you to success. This team hasn't seen since the likes of Joe Flacco and Ray Lewis, and you are putting them in the line of fire. It is a mysterious decision. Will uh, Harbaugh get fired for it? Absolutely not. You don't lose your job for decisions like this, but really, you got to question, what are they thinking as an organization trotting out their elite players? It's very unfortunate what happened to Dobbins, but it's not really entirely unexpected if you look at how the Ravens do things. Hey man, I mean, if you can't win the Super Bowl, you should at least win the preseason games, I guess. The Giants, or excuse me, the Ravens will have won more preseason games than I'm willing to wager most teams will win regular season games in the next three years. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) Be more like the Ravens, kids. So, final question of the day. And you love these topics so much. Is the ocean a soup? <laughs> what? The ocean is not a soup. Why isn't it a soup? Because a soup you can just stick your spoon into and drink the liquid. You can't drink salt water. You definitely can drink salt water. Of course you can drink salt water. Well, you you can, but it's going to kill you. Do most soups kill you if you drink the whole No, bowl? but no. if a soup is prepared very poorly, like if you have that pufferfish soup out there in the world that the Japanese are fond of making, if that's improperly prepared, it will also kill you. Does that mean it's not a soup? No, it's just a really poorly prepared soup. But the ocean, I'd say this is possibly the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say, and I, I, I've heard you make the argument that a hot dog is well, a Well, a hot sandwich. dog is in fact a sandwich. We don't need to get into that again, but why am I I, why is it wrong, Driss? And what disqualifies the ocean? Because there's nothing edible in the ocean. There's nothing That's that not you put on your plate. There's tons of okay, fish what in the is... ocean. There's seaweed. There's a whole bunch of edible stuff. The ratio is just not too good. It's a bit watery of a soup, but it's still a soup. So Isaiah, if you went in there and just, you know, somehow you got, you got yourself a big fork, you got yourself a big spoon, and you went and scooped out a, a shark, you're telling me you're just going to take a bite into that shark and drink some uh, salt water along with it? Well, I wouldn't eat a lot of soups out there in the world. Still doesn't mean they're not soups. Isaiah, this is going to make us lose subscribers, lose well, viewers. Tristan, like, we need at least a good question at the end This of the is a podcast. good question because you really have no way of disproving it. You're making these arguments like, oh, it's got sharks in it. Oh, you wouldn't want to drink it. That doesn't stop it from being a soup. You ever heard of a shark What makes it soup? a soup then? What makes it a soup, Isaiah? It is a liquid that is heated that contains nutrients within it. Is a mixture of. There's no nutrients there's in it. There's plenty of nutrients in there. And it's not heated. Fish are nutritious, and you're telling me the sun doesn't heat. And you're telling me those vents down the ocean floor don't heat. It. The ocean is a soup, Tristan. It's being heated from multiple angles. <laughs> but it's not hot. It's hot in some places. The overwhelming majority, it's not. If a soup goes cold, is it still a soup? 
Isaiah, the, look, the ocean has water, it has seasoning, it has meat, it has vegetables, and it has a bunch of added ingredients if you add human pollution. It's a soup. I don't even know what to say. This is the dumbest You have no counter-argument to me, so you're just resorting to calling me dumb. I do have a counter-argument, and then you're just you saying my counter-argument is dumb. You have a single I've, statement. I've been asking you questions, and, I, and your response to it is, don't even make sense. My response to it is, yeah, that qualifies as being a soup. The ocean is a soup. It's not, though. It's Definitely a soup. And the next time I'm at the ocean, I'm going to take a big old spoonful and pound it just for you. That will be one of our next TikToks. But anyway, okay. be sure to comment <laughs> down below. Let us know if you think the ocean is a soup, and we will talk to you later. Like the video, subscribe, follow us on TikTok if you don't already. Leave a comment, do all that stuff, and we'll see you in the next one.